This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah. That was pretty cool. In fact, I don't think I'm going to top it. But we had a good run of about 30 seconds. Farewell, my kiotes. Ah, very well. We'll do it, teaser. Welcome to the Delicious Word Sandwich, you fudge dirts. Delicious Word Sandwich, Sandwich, because I like to eat books. How do you do, my friends? Or should I say, my kiotes? I'm your host, Dol Maddie, and as you definitely guessed from that kick ass rock anthem, this is a literature podcast. Behold! The only podcast that analyzes the greatest works from all of them delectable geniuses of literature, from Tolstoy to Hemingway, Homer to Foster Wallace. Here, I meticulously translate each element of each book into ingredients of an honest-to-goodness delicious word sandwich, and then I ravenously devour every last bite from the epigraph to the epilogue. Give me all them dead writer brains. Anyhoot, picking each story's ingredient carefully, from their yeasty origins, hammy plots, cheesy characters, to their saucy themes. I, your pal Maddie, boldly chew through zesty summaries, media analysis, and a few non-kosher opinions, and then finally tell you once and for all, without pretension nor apology, if that word sandwich is still fresh, and of course, delicious. Readable edibles. Eat with your whole face. Alrighty, my kiotis, this is just an appetizer. So here's the shtick of delicious word sandwich, and prepare for some indigestion, because we're going to have to scuff this down quick. First off, we got the yeast. In this segment, we're waiting for the yeast to rise like Lucifer on Monday, and so we waft our tendy fingies through literature news such as new book releases, new film adaptations of our beloved sandwiches, and the odd article and recommendation old Maddie stumbles across throughout my literary stomach's rumbles. I might even be lucky enough to have a guest to introduce and interrogate. We then end this segment with some sage advice from my personal favourite writer of all time, and coincidentally the greatest writer of all time, Ernest Papa Hemingway. We don't got time to go through the news today, but there's always time for some earnest advice. All good books are alike, and that they are truer than if they had really happened, and after you are finished reading one, you will feel that all that happened to you, and afterwards it all belongs to you. The good and the bad, the ecstasy, the remorse and sorrow, the people and the places, and how the weather was. Whoa, what a great word about the magic of books. Thanks for coming in, Mr. Hemingway. I'm just kidding. He did. Personally, I know I'm always reading a good bit of prose if there's a solid featuring of the weather. Probably the only circumstance you should go out of your way to describe the weather to me. Because yes, I can see it's raining, Doris. 
next matter on the platter. I calmly and coolly introduce the book of the day to be turned into a sandwich. Today's book is more of a snack attack. The poem and children's book, Oh, the Places You'll Go, by Dr. Seuss. Or Zeus, if you're a little pretentious. And I'm afraid to say, wrong in this case. But I'll explain that later, and we shall do some learning. Then dingle dangle dingle, it's time for bread. Bread for your head. Books. Ah, the bread. The spongy contextual canvas upon which the story was made. I mean here, of course, I give you the skinny so you're privy to the historical context of when the book was written, and what consequently directly affected its creation and the author themselves. Oh, the places you'll go is one of the best-selling, and I personally reckon, the most honestly written of Dr. Seuss's works. A story that addresses you, whether you're in your pyjamas with your teddy, or in your underpants in your single apartment on a bit of pizza grease. Yeah, I know exactly how you're listening to this, and all other podcasts. I see you. I know your little secret. And he talks gently but authoritatively on the journey of life, covering the rises and falls that must come to grow as a person. Published in 1990, it was the last book Dr. Seuss himself saw published before his death a year and a half later, which, personally, I think he knew was coming. After decades of entertaining children, what better parting gift than to write a story about the journey that awaits them beyond childhood? I mean, it's written in future tense! The book quickly reached number one of the New York Times bestseller list for adult fiction, holding the fort in the top ten for two years hence, and achieved that time twice over for children's fiction. The book became a staple gift for those about to graduate, sales spiking around graduation season. I, myself, received my copy inscribed from one of my favourite high school teachers, who is and always will be one of the best and coolest people I know, no matter how many places I'll go. Aww. As for Dr. Seuss himself, Theodore Zoyce Geisel was born in 1904 and died in 1991, and died as one of the greatest writers and illustrators of children's literature. An undergraduate of Dartmouth and a graduate of Oxford. Mmm, that's a delicious brain right there. Seuss went on to, sorry, Zoyce went on to illustrate for magazines, ad campaigns, and political cartoons to make ends meet until finally publishing, and I think I saw it on Mulberry Street in 1937, his first children's book. We're on a tight schedule here, so if I make any mistakes, feel free to correct me later in a letter. I will, of course, only accept beautifully scribed mail. After sticking it to the Nazis and political cartoons during World War II, and then sticking it to that ramshackle house of un-American activities post-war, eventually Seuss went back to children's books to knock it out of the frickin' park, with classics like Horton Hears a Who, which has even more interesting history behind it, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, my personal favourite The Lorax, and The Cat in the Hat. And to top it off, oh, the places you'll go. Alright, you pretentious pelicans out there demanding me to pronounce Zeus as Zeus. You're wrong, but that's okay, because you're going to learn a little something. While tis true that Theodore Zeus Geisel was born with Zeus in his voice, the good doctor could only hold out against the famously stubborn belligerence of Western civilization for so long. Zeus himself began to pronounce his name in line with Zeus rather than Joyce for two reasons. One, to no longer go against his audience, curious considering his several books about anti-conformism, and two, to subversively associate himself with Mother Goose to the tiny, foolish ears of his young readers. He was, after all, dear friends, and I quote, 
subversive as hell. Oh, you silly goose, Dr. Zeus. A further fun fact, he gave himself the title Doctor because his father always wanted him to study medicine. That being said, I must emphasize from personal experience, do not let Dr. Seuss operate on you. One final point. You know you've gone done good with some globally enriching jazz when your silly self-appointed doctorate is made legit, as it was for the good Dr. Seuss in 1956 by Dartmouth College with an honorary doctorate. The big question then, is what bread does this represent? T In honor of Dr. Seuss being subversive as hell, the melancholy nature of his death mixed with the healthy and uplifting nature of the book he left behind, and the whimsy of his entire body of works, I have decided that the bread shall be delicious multi-grain fairy bread. Now that that's a thing, you're welcome, and yes, I am definitely a war criminal. Don't you worry, my Kiotis, it's definitely gonna be delicious. And that's the bread! Historical and authorial context, in short. Sizzle, sizzle, time for a riddle. What is the most protein-filled kind of rendezvous? A meet and greet. The meat, or meat substitute. This is the defining substance that is the story, the plot, all the ups and downs, twists and peaks, the whole deal. We're losing time, Kiotis, and we've still got four whole segments to chomp through. Oh, cusses! Why am I so captivatingly entertaining while simultaneously amazing at literary discussion? Oh, woe is me! Alright, a quick journey of life is a good journey of life, as they say. You begin as a tyke, with a whole city of options before you, with your head full of feet and your shoes full of brains, or something in that vein. You immediately tell the town to suck a grickly gructus and you hightail it out of there. In the wide open spaces, all brightly coloured, it's a splendorful canvas on which only a glorious destiny can be scribed, surely. You hitchhike with a group of elephants across the desert, who provide you with shade and entertaining bitter banter. For elephants never forget. Nor forgive. Refusing to pay the elephants, you flee their rage by running into a swirly hole of spiralling wonder. You then steal a hot air balloon and soar to high heights, over structurally unsound castles and chemically polluted rainbowed plains, leaving all the other punks behind because your balloon has racing stripes. Your hearty glee, however, in thy victory, is cut short, alas, when you're snagged on a prickly perch and left in the lurch. Oh no! Now you are, in fact, the punk. Notice how the page's colour becomes minimal, and low-key blues start creeping into the forefront. What could this mean? I expect your essay, of course, on blue equals blues on my desk in the morning. Whether you deserve to be ahead or among those balloons flying away, you're behind now, and you have to go your own way, so don't go taking any pot shots, you hear? You come down from the lurch with an unpleasant bump. Oh no! You're in the slump! I was in a slump once. There I was, all washed up at the age of 21, and the washed up drunkard roll is only so much fun. Blues and black ooze swarm the page. The pink in its sickly imprudence is oddly ominous. Unslumping yourself is not easily done, the book says. Indeed, in my case, it literally took me more than a few months and more than one I'm back, baby! declaration. Cause just when you think you got out, it pulls you back in. You find yourself lost in the worst planned city of all, where no one knows what a wall should look like, or how to mark streets. 
Seuss asks, do you dare stay out? Do you dare go in? Which obviously he's positing the question, which is worse? To be a guilty burglar or innocently homeless? These are the big questions. It's also a great way to portray how when you're lost, nothing means anything. Everywhere is nowhere, and you haven't a guff-luppeted chance of figuring it out. For all we know, this is the same town you left at the beginning. Next, off you trot down unknown wild roads leading to nowhere at high speed. Blue is everywhere, clearly used to diffuse any enthusiasm for the area around you, or really, so you don't pay any attention to where you're going. You're just doing things until you settle for not doing things. And that's when you find yourself in... The Waiting Place. Easily the most real and harrowing place in the book, the waiting place epitomizes one of the great universal follies. Waiting for a reaction without any action. My favorite is the guy waiting for a call from an unplugged landline. Or more realistically, the guy waiting for Friday. In both cases, nothing is expected from them except to wait. All they have to do is have minimal expectations that something might happen if they just wait long enough. With most folk in drab, unenthused blue work attire, the more individualized in purple or orange, everyone is just waiting. Their standards getting lower and lower the longer they wait, until finally, all they're waiting for is the end of disappointment. To me, this page is about how no one is going to just hand you fulfillment. You have to bet on yourself and deliver. In the words of Inigo Montoya, I hate waiting. And so do you, for on the next page you're breaking out of that temporal sinkhole and getting cultured with the best broken instrument band around. I can only assume your burglary paid off, because soon enough you've paid off the elephants and are riding ahead to war under the Pink Nation banner. Luckily, you dodged combat by enlisting in the Pink Nation's premier sports team, becoming their post-MVP. Until then, you had to go and help those Green Nation refugees and the government planted those steroids on you, ruining your career. Your famous friends left you, you're soon to be sent to the front, and your mansion is empty and going to be repossessed by the state. <sighs> you take a moment to shoot some hoops by yourself, wondering if all the lavish parties and glorious victories were worth it. It was. Oh, and something about how the most impossible game to win is the one against yourself. Oh, the places you'll go indeed. If you're following along with the book as you should, you're wondering, where am I getting all of this information? Well, it's right there in the illustrations. Use your eyes! Old Matty yells to his listeners. And you thought the slump was dark. Now you're all alone. Probably addicted to steroids, cause let the crime fit the punishment in my ride. And you're hallucinating danger around every corner. And you just gotta accept that you're gonna be alone sometimes. That it's okay to be scared. And you have a drug problem, Doris. But you just gotta go on. During your bender, you got sick of the old man by the sea and took his rowboat and went out to howl with the hackin' cracks because now you do crack. Then the poem takes a 180. You confront your crippling addictions and fears, which naturally take the form of a Grinch wombat, and are on the home stretch to the right track. You find yourself undercover in the Glum Bird Society, where to mix up your right foot from your left is a crime punishable by death. But hey, life's all about balance and staying on your own feet, not worrying too much about the killer fascist birds or the crack addictions. These things happen. Just know what's important to you, balance that, and keep moving. Confidently so. For if you figure you're balancing the right stuff, the stuff you want to balance, ideally not crack, then you're certainly on the right track. Before you know it, you're single-handedly pulling an entire civilization Howl's Moving Castle style, without the use of steroids, mind you, thereby clearing your name and any outstanding warrants for your arrest. Hooray! To be frank, because this is my favorite part, it's all about perseverance, being brave, accepting and learning from life's mistakes and misfortunes, and always being aware that you have value. 
You don't have to do anything except what you truly value doing. You do not have to wait. Do all of that and, well, kid, you'll move mountains. The good doctor then finales with a stanza, making sure you know he's talking to you. And that you, yes you, need to go ahead. Make your day. Today. So turns out I don't do short analyses. If you're still with us, you're probably wondering what meat or meat substitute we put on this sandwich. Well, because this is a lot of colourful whimsy disguising basic protein, i.e. follow your dreams even though life can be hard sometimes, and it's also about beginnings, i.e. embarking onto your true and new tomorrow, thus I have chosen green eggs, which is scrambled eggs mixed with pesto for that fun on a bun flair. And yeah, I used thus, because this is an intellectual audible cubby house, yo. Quickly, Kiotis, we must seize the cheese with speedy ease. No matter how jaded and nihilistic you think you are now, deep down you know that before all of the victories, the lurches, the slumps and waiting, and finally the move and groove in mountains, you saw the world wide-eyed with a little heart filled with a whole lot of hope. I know little old Manny did, and if you didn't, why not start now? Take heart, damn you! I say that with love, y'all. Now that you too are a breezy, fresh idealist, you totally get why you're obviously a cream cheese, like the protagonist. Don't argue now! I know it's cheesy, but you're the cream in old Maddie's coffee. Be your name Boxbum or Bixby or Bray. Meanwhile, the narrator is gentle but real. You feel? Optimistic but measured, Dr. Seuss has been through the whole rodeo, and furthermore, he shed much of his trademark wacky whimsy to tell it to you straight. Thanks to the help of a rad friend of mine with a good bushel of brains in his shoes, I find that this ghost of life must future, this cheese Buddha, is, in fact, Gouda. Gouda and cream cheese. There you have it. Done. Swell. Gotta keep moving. <laughs> Themes! Themes equals sauce, you dig? Cause it's the source of the whole thing. But there's no time to laugh at my hilarity. The themes, much like the word style, is elegantly simple. It's all really about appreciating each moment of life and seeing it all in the larger picture. Seeing the lows as necessary steps for you to love when you're on the way up. It's about believing in yourself and your journey, rolling with the punches and persevering. Cause if you keep on going, never settling for slumps, lurches or waiting, why, there's only a few pages left till you're moving mountains. Well, flannel mine is it, that is wholesome. In fact, I think old Maddie's gonna cry. My tears smell and taste of sweet chili, for sweet chili is fun, sometimes sweet, sometimes spicy, but always worth sticking with. Moving on! Seasoning! Some quick final thoughts before we feast on this wondrous transformation from tree to yeast tower. My favourite thing about this poem, and why I think it's the best selling and one of the most endearing of Seuss's works, is that it's hashtag relatable. Each chapter, if I may, are such broad and simply coloured strokes that I think no matter what your life has been like, so long as you connect with that splendid sense of perseverance, you'll make your own sense out of every page and stage. Dare I say, my Quixotes, that in a way, if I may, this becomes a story that happens to you. Ooh! What? Did old Maddie really just flawlessly bookend this discussion with Papa Hemingway's quote from the beginning? Oh, I think he did! Genius! Paprika, by the way, because it's mild or hot spice, depending what you make of it. That'll do, let's keep moving. 
And now, my friends, we come to the feast. Yummy num num, get in my tum tum. Hashtag Dr. Seuss back from the dead over here. Here we have it. Oh, the places you'll go by Dr. Seuss realized as the delicious word sandwich it always was. Multi-grain fairy bread with green eggs, cream cheese and gouda, swirled with sweet chili and sprinkled with paprika. Oh, I know the places it'll go, but my digestive system is a whole other novel. Side note, y'all. An alternative goal for this sandwich was to make it as colourful as possible without using paint. Crayons were fine though, so were sweet. And so we've accomplished all of the things! Huzzah! But will this sandwich be delicious? Or have I been facetious? Or will it taste feces-ish? Let's find out! Next time on Delicious Word Sandwich! Oh hell, what? That's why it's an appetizer, y'all. You've been bamboozled! <laughs> Thanks for listening to Delicious Word Sandwich. Have a glorious day. Farewell, my Kyotis. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.